Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday. Felony Friday, of course, is a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, the Lions of Liberty podcast... Now in 2017, we have three distinct shows per week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Every Monday, we have our original show hosted by Mark Clare, and that show is going to mostly be interviews with leading voices in the liberty movement, the occasional roundtable, and things like that. Of course, we might have some libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor episodes in that slot as well. The new show on the Lions of Liberty podcast is hosted by Brian McWilliams and it's called Electric Liberty Land. It's going to be a really fun show. It's going to be sort of a variety show, but it's going to focus mostly on current events and giving Liberty perspective on those current events. And it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to. And of course, today you're listening to the first episode in 2017 of Felony Friday, where we focus here on Felony Friday on exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. This is episode number 53 of Felony Friday, so that means you'll be able to find these show notes with links and notes with everything that we're going to talk about today. And it's going to be a lot of different felonies trending in the news, lots of different news items. So you're going to be sure to uh, want to check out those news items and follow along. If you're listening at home, if you're in your car, please do not try to uh, read these news stories on your phone. But you can find that all at lionsofliberty.com slash FF53. So check that out. And uh, I'm excited for today's show. Just one more note before we get started. This show is sponsored by IgniteLiberty.us. At Ignite Liberty, we sell Make Liberty Great Again hats and shirts, two different eye-catching designs. The shirts are available in many, many different colors, and uh, the hats are all marked down to $19.95, and you can get a 10% discount on all your stuff at IgniteLiberty.us using discount code LIBERTY. Please check out IgniteLiberty.us, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Okay, let's get to the meat of the show. Today's episode is going to be in a familiar format, I think, for a long time Lions of Liberty and long time Felony Friday listeners. Uh, maybe some of you new listeners haven't heard this format yet. I know it's been a, a little while since we've uh, gone through and really looked at some felonies trending in the news. We're going to do that today, and I'm going to be bringing on my fellow Lions of Liberty co-founder here and host of our Monday show, Mark Clare, to talk about this. So, Mark, welcome to Felony Friday. Welcome back to Felony Friday. Welcome back. Yeah, I think this is like my third or fourth appearance. Third or fourth? I don't know. I've lost count. I don't know. I think I'm you've been on, on the most. I think you've been on you and John Ziegler. Uh, yeah, no, I was on the first Felony Friday ever, and now I'm on the first one of the new year. So I get the sense that you see me as sort of like symbolizing like a phoenix rising, like a new beginning. Is that right? Is that accurate? Sort of. That's kind of what I get when I look at your Skype picture. Our audience can't see it. I wish they could, but it's this beautiful flowing locks. It's this giant picture of Mark's face, just his face with his flowing long blonde hair. So maybe I'll put it in the show notes for you. I don't know. (laughs) That's why the show notes are so essential, people. We don't do these for our health. Find all the key elements to understanding our kind of brando liberty here. You can look behind the curtain and see more than you ever want to see. But I did talk about uh, in the intro today, Mark, a little bit about our new format, about Brian's new show, about how we're continuing Felony Friday on Fridays. So what's going on with your show on Monday? Is anything changing here? 
Well, I don't know if anything's changing per se. I'm just going to try to be a little maybe more focused uh, with the interviews that I choose, and I might try to do a little bit more with them. And, uh, I, you know, we're just getting into the new year, just getting out of the holidays, so I haven't really solidified too much. But I think one thing I really want to focus on is kind of uh, – putting out other people and the work they're doing for the ideas of liberty. Obviously, I have a lot of different kind of people I interview. Some interviews are more philosophical. Some are kind of uh, just more about what other people are doing. But that's kind of how I'm starting the year off anyway, by highlighting the work of other people. And we're going to do that this coming Monday. A guy I know familiar to a lot of our listeners, Alex Merced, recently ran for the um, Senate in New York and has been very active on social media in the Libertarian Party. And uh, he is doing so much for liberty. He just finished the Senate campaign and instead of taking time off, he was rolled right into starting a whole bunch of podcasts, and he's just a guy that's really out there doing a lot for liberty. So I wanted to take some time to uh, chat with Alex about everything he's doing. So that's what we'll be doing on Monday. And then, of course, we'll still be doing all sorts of roundtables and, and fun type of shows like we did the Liberty Draft recently. That was a big hit. I'll be coming up with other kind of fun ideas like that, and we'll see where it goes. The sky is really the limit for us here. This is only the beginning. Yeah, lots of new stuff going on at Lions of Liberty, and I am really looking forward to that interview with Alex Merced on Monday. He's a great guy to follow on social media, as you were saying. You know, he has like five different podcasts he's starting, but I'm sure we'll talk about all this stuff on Monday. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, let's jump into this Felony Friday, uh, these topics trending in the news today. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, and there's one story that as I was searching for stuff to talk about, it was everywhere. It was everywhere I looked. All of the uh, criminal justice sites were, were talking about it. And it's this story out of Missouri where – and every title was almost the same in the way they looked at it, saying that Missouri students may face felony charges for fights or bullying. And this stems from a new law that I believe actually was passed in 2014, but it took effect on January 1st. And it could mean – harsher punishments for kids who get caught fighting or bullying in school. Now, it's not really clear. It's not really called out in the actual law. It doesn't say at schools if, you, you know, if you're fighting or, or bullying, then you could be charged with a felony. But what it does, it reclassifies third and fourth degree assaults and changes them from, from misdemeanors to felonies. And that's the type of stuff that harassment and fighting in school uh, would be classified under. So it's, it's definitely a, a worrisome thing. And one note that's, I mean, that, that I think is really where this link between the school and this law comes from is when they're talking about harassment, harassment being a felony rather than a misdemeanor, in order to understand how they categorize that, if the victim suffers emotional distress from an act committed for that purpose, for the purpose of emotional distress, then the state will consider harassment to be a form of school bullying and harassment is among one of the offenses in Missouri that school districts, are, they have to, they're required to report that to uh, local law enforcement. So it, you can definitely see this being as a way that possibly leading more kids into being charged with felonies and ultimately leading them into the, uh, you know, into the prison system where they could ultimately get stuck, as we've seen in so many cases we've talked about on this show with uh, recidivism. But Mark, did what did you think about this law? Uh, do you think that... You know, pretty much everyone who is reporting on this, you think they're getting it right, saying this is something that could really affect the school system in the state of Missouri? Well, I'm not concerned about how it affects the school system in the state of Missouri as much as it affects these kids who many of which might be involved in very normal teenage activity 
that can suddenly become felons. And we've discussed to no end how that felon label can affect your life negatively, really for the rest of your life. It can affect the ability to get employment. Uh, it can affect your ability to, uh, you know, if you're in a custody battle, it can affect that. If you ever have, have a custody issue with a, another child, there are so many things that that felony label, you can't buy a gun, you can't vote. I mean, it's a scarlet letter that leads you on forever. So is some of this activity, like uh, nobody's for bullying uh, per se, but at the same time, there has to be a certain extent of understanding that kids will be kids and kids make fun of each other. And maybe we punish them for that, but sentencing them to a life of essentially having that felon label and essentially being a second class citizen. I don't see how that's good for anybody. Uh, you know, maybe there are people who think that this will help the atmospheres in school, but I mean, we're actually in a stage here where wearing a make Liberty great again, hat, not make Liberty great again, but a make America great again, hat, maybe a make Liberty great again, hat too. It might, it might. <laughs> people consider that <laughs> racism and harassment. You know, if you support Donald Trump, there are places where people will think you are harassing them for that support. So now we're at a point where you can see all this coming together, where even political speech at a school might be translated into harassment, which gets turned into a felony that someone has to carry for the rest of their life. So I see a very dangerous uh, slope this is leading to. Yeah. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at talking about this, where if the intent is to cause emotional distress, I mean, that is the intent of bullies. Of That's the intent of most high school students. They're trying to get under their friends' skins or they're trying to get under people that they don't get along with, trying to get under their skin. But just because you make fun of someone, even if you hurt their feelings, there's no reason, there's no way that charging them with a felony and shoving them in to the prison system is somehow going to solve the problem is going to make it better. I think that the thought process here is by making a harsher punishment, it's going to deter children, uh, young adults from acting in this way. But the fact of the matter is it's not because most young adults are not rational. They haven't yet learned consequences. They don't know that you know, making fun of someone or wearing a Make America Great Again hat to get under someone's skin could be perceived as harassment, which could then lead to them getting charged with a felony, which could then ruin their entire life. They're not thinking that way. And that's not to say that if they were thinking that way, that it would be right in that matter anyway, just to say that, you know, they won't even see it coming. So there's really no good reason for this law to change this law. I think, if anything, the law should be changed to go back the other way. So this is less harsh of a penalty. I mean, some of the stuff might already be too severe of a penalty. I mean, why do we need to bring everything into the criminal justice system, especially when we're talking about, like I said, kids doing teenage stuff? Now, look, if, if a group of kids actually corners someone and bullies them and beats them and, and or something like that, I mean, obviously there are cases where this should be you know, seen as the criminal element. But when we're just talking about you know the vague things like quote harassment and bullying and this blanketly applying you know criminal penalties to it i think that alone is very troublesome so i don't even i don't even like how the law is now let alone the fact they want to increase all this stuff to become felonies yeah increasing it to the point where they could be charged be class e felons where jail time for that would be up to 4 years in prison that is just that's incredibly insane but uh, I want to move on and talk about another topic here that it's it's been in and out of the news. It was huge news earlier last year in 2016. And Mark, you actually had on on your show, you had Dr. Mark Edwards on to talk about the Flint water crisis. That was what episode was that? That was episode number 203, I believe. So you can get that lionsofliberty.com slash 203. 
You can hear Mark interview Dr. Mark Edwards on the Flint water crisis. But I want to talk about it because it's back in the news. In the 67th District Court, a judge has authorized charges against former Flint emergency managers, Darnell Early, Gerald Ambrose, and a city official, Howard Croft and Doherty Johnson. And all four defendants in this case are going to face felony charges for false pretenses and conspiracy to commit fraud. And with these charges, they could serve up to 20 years in prison. And the latest charges, there were charges previous to this. I think nine people were charged previous to these four in regards to the Flint water scandal. And the attorney general of Michigan, Bill Shuyet, maybe. I don't know if that's how you say it. If you're uh, from that state, maybe you can Sounds correct good to me. me. <laughs> he alleges that the defendants conspired really to uh, really go around the Flint water treatment system. And they were taking water, I guess, directly from the Flint River without it being set up with the water filtration system to actually filter that water to make it safe to drink when they should have been going around and using a different water supplier. And there were warnings and actually, I think they actually faked some environmental orders in order to get around it. So Mark, with this case, and I I did listen to your interview with Dr. Mark Edwards, but you probably have a little more knowledge on this Flint case than I do. What's something that jumped out for you from this article? I think just the fact that people are being charged. I mean, that's a good thing, right? It would still 13 more people than were ever charged for the financial crisis. Now, maybe uh, we don't see financial crimes as serious as you know, actually literally poisoning people's water. And uh, maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. Poisoning people is pretty bad. But the, yeah, I think it's very important that justice becomes served in this case. And um, especially because this makes no sense to me, but I always see that this argument of you ever see the meme out there? It's like somebody holding the dirty bottle of water in Flint and and it says like, you know, anarchist water or like this is what libertarians would want, like as if that's the the vision we have for the world is dirty water everywhere. That doesn't even make any like any sense. (laughs) It really doesn't because this is a government controlled water supply. Now they can say they farmed it out to private elements and that's where the problem stems from. But as we've discussed on the Lions of Liberty podcast and in so many other uh, formats, that's really an example of cronyism, of crony capitalism. Uh, That's a problem of coercive government. It's not a problem of a free market, which really has no play here at all. Uh, I mean, the fact that there are private companies profiting off this at some point down the supply chain, you know, again, like I said, that's an instance of corruption and crony capitalism that has nothing to do with free market or whatever. So, but, you know, people are always going to take that, especially progressives with their memes. They're always going to take ridiculous things and just, you know, use them to slam free markets or push their worldview or whatever. But obviously there are crimes that have been committed here, no matter what your point of view. So I, I think it's, now I, I don't know if these specific people are necessarily the ones that are at fault. It's possible that because this issue is so politicized that they're just looking for a few scapegoats and maybe these people are convenient scapegoats. I don't know enough of the details, you know, about the role of these specific individuals. So you know, I think there is some possibility that you might need to look out for, like, are the right people being looked mm-hmm. at here or where should we be looking at much bigger levels of responsibility, whether it's the governor, whether it's, you know, uh, the EPA and other organizations that got involved along the way that also allowed this to happen. So I guess maybe that's my concern is you might see, quote, justice served against some people, but not actually address any of the, the bigger issues, the systemic problems or maybe some other even more guilty individuals along the way. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. From the outside, this looks like you know a no-brainer move. They're you know they're pressing charges against people that were responsible, that should be held accountable. But like you said, are these the actual people that caused the problem? Were they the people making the call, or were they just yes men who are now taking the fall? I think there's a really interesting thing that uh, Flint Mayor Karen Weaver said, and she sees the charges here as a broader indictment of the state's emergency manager system. And really the way she looks at it is these people are appointed from outside, from outside the city and they take power. And she says they're stripping this power away from the elected mayor and the council. So people coming in from outside the city of Flint from the state and federally from the EPA dictating policy. And her quote is, it's taken the voice of the people and taken our democracy. I don't know if I agree with the wording there entirely, but right. but the, the rhetoric there does make sense. I mean, you have the people who are drinking the water, consuming the water, really have no control over it. It's sort of a uh, almost a tragedy of the commons type deal. I don't know if it's something that you've thought of in this case, Mark. Right, well, it's also a very sort of dictatorial move. So it's like, you know, you take a power away from the most local of government. Now, obviously, libertarians have all different ideas about how government should work, if government should exist at all. But it just seems very rational that if we are to have any level of government that that is going to do things such as provide water supply and that kind of thing, it should be the local people than the local officials that are involved in it. But in the case of Michigan, you get these outside parties that basically come in, strip all the power away from the local people and completely take over and basically act like outside dictators within the small confines of Michigan. But they're basically an outside dictator that comes in and starts starts basically just central commanding their little city and the water supply. So uh, it's not surprising, really, when you think about it that way, that something like this would happen. The outside dictators come in and start dictating because that's that's what they do. do. It's what they do. (laughs) Always dictating those dictators. But yeah, it's uh, the Flint water crisis. It's really just a uh, it's a microcosm of the problem with our system. And unfortunately, many left leaning type people choose to blame libertarians for it, which makes no sense at all, instead of looking at the problems with the bureaucracy of government, which are really causing it. So let's move on. I do want to play. You've played it before, Mark, I think once or twice on this show. Is this a crime? And should anyone do time? And we have three different ones to talk about. We'll try to move through them fairly quickly here. The first one, it's a sort of a misleading title. It's titled California Democrats Legalize Child Prostitution. (laughs) And I saw this. It popped up on my Facebook. The headline should be a crime. Yeah, the headline should be a crime. And their time How misleading be the headline en- is. Ending this it's, newspaper. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's not a newspaper. Well, this is from it's yeah. fake news. It's fake news. This is from WorldNetDaily.com. This you know reporting of this article. So. Yeah. So I guess so the slant shouldn't be shocking from that sort of conservative publication. No, it should not. But it it uh, this really does speak to how things just get you know a life of their own. I saw this posted on Facebook by. One of my right-wing Facebook friends saying, oh, look at California. They're legalizing child prostitution. They're legalizing drugs. It's turning into anarchy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's really not at all what's happening here. Well, they are legalizing drugs, marijuana, which is a good thing. But they're not legalizing child prostitution. Still, if somebody is kidnapping a child and uh, you know force them into prostitution, that person, the adult, can still be prosecuted. What they're doing is they're not going to prosecute the children – who are being pimped out. Right. So I, I don't know, Mark, I think it's pre- pretty straightforward, but let me just turn it over to you. So is this a crime? Should a child be prosecuted 
for being forced into prostitution. I guess it's not entirely clear if they're always being forced, uh, but either way, they are not the ones committing a criminal act, no matter how you look at it. And I guess unless you look at it like a conservative Republican who thinks consensual, you know, consensual acts to adults should be banished and therefore all prostitution should be made illegal. But, you know, there's a couple of situations where this could apply. One, the kid, the child is literally, you know, being held captive and being forced to, you know, engage in prostitution. In that case, that child is a victim. So the person that should be prosecuted might be maybe the John, if they're knowingly using a child prostitute, or uh, the pimp or whoever is forcing them into service. These are the people committing the crimes, not the child themselves. Uh, the other possibility is that it's maybe a 15-year-old who is consensually, you know, participating in prostitution. And in that case, if they're doing it consensually, but the adult is knows that they are underage, and now we can argue about where that age of consent should be. I, I don't think it's necessarily clear that where that should be biologically. We Different societies seem to come to different conclusions about them. Even in, in the U.S., different states come to different conclusions about what that specific age is. But we do generally agree, I think, with the idea, at least I agree, that there is some point where a child is considered a child and not fully able to make certain decisions or related to, you know, especially related to sex and that type of thing. So, you know, if you have some creepy older man who is knowingly, um, you know, paying a 13-year-old child, for instance, for prostitution, okay, that man should be arrested. That man is, to me, exploiting a child and abusing a child who's not old enough to make that adult decision. But again, the child is really a victim in that circumstance. So no matter what circumstances lead up to this arrest or what would have been an arrest in the past, I don't see any way that you can say that, you know, the, the child is the one that should be arrested, especially because the entire premise is that it's child prostitution and it's, it's worse because it's a child because a child is not old enough to make these decisions for themselves. So it's silly to, it's, I think it's a great thing that they passed it. I don't know what we're judging if it's a crime or not. Is the law a crime? Is the, is the act uh, of the child a crime? But I mean, there's definitely crimes involved when we're talking about children, especially when we're talking about actual children. Now, you know, we can argue maybe 17 people cannot make that decision. I don't know. I mean, I think that's, that's a tougher call. Well, well, I guess you could kind of break it down. And I, I know what your answer is, and I'm going to agree with it, but is prostitution a crime? Not in and of itself, no. Right. So prostitution is not a crime. So is, I guess, another aspect of this would be, is kidnapping a child and forcing them into prostitution a crime? Yes, it is. Yes. And it seems like the problem is, is that, you know, people look at this from the right, is they mix it all together and, and they're not separating the issue. And on the left, like you said, this is a good first step. You don't want to prosecute Children who are either caught up in this, who have been kidnapped or being forced into it, or if they're doing it consensually, if they're you know, 16 or 17 or whatever age, you don't want to prosecute them and ruin their life. And the shame is that the liberals don't come out and actually understand the issue overall. They don't just try to legalize prostitution as a whole, which would probably really help to fix this issue and bring it all out into the daylight so this stuff isn't forced into back alleys and shady hotels and would probably be a lot safer for everyone involved in prostitution. They choose not to do that. And they, and they kind of chip away at, at different areas of it. So it's it's just a it's one of those issues that they can make a any, uh, you know, news source or whatever fake news source can pick at this law passed. This law is Senate Bill 
1322, and I'll link to it. This is on fake the show news, by the way. This WND headline is fake news because yeah. nothing about child prostitution becomes legal with this. Basically, we just decriminalize the child themselves. That's basically all this seems to do. And as far as I can tell, anybody that's pipping out a child or using one as a John, that's still illegal. So it's ridiculous to say that they this is legalizing child prostitution. That's fake news, WND. 100% agreed. Is this fake news? Yeah, yes. Okay, segment. well, we, we know that much. All right, let's, let's move on to this next one. This one's going to be a very uh, clear-cut question. Is this a crime, and should someone do time? This is in Ohio, our good friend, not good friend, but Governor John Kasich, who we talked about at length back in our good old presidential debate roundtable. So they were glorious times. Governor John Kasich in the news signed House Bill 470, which makes it a felony, makes it a third-degree felony, which is punishable up to five years in prison for assisting in a suicide. So this is a pretty straightforward question. Is it a crime to assist someone in a suicide? Well, no, because by definition, suicide means they are killing themselves. So just by that definition, you'd have to say, no, it's not a crime because they're inflicted. They're still inflicting this upon themselves. And I obviously oppose this law entirely. And really, the law is the crime here. The law, if you're if you're going to criminalize something that shouldn't be a crime, you know, by logic, then that law is what is what is the crime, uh, if that makes sense. But um, really, I do think that there is kind of an interesting question here. Like, where is the line between assisting someone to kill themselves and say, like, manslaughter or something like that? Yeah, that's what I started thinking about when I was really looking into this is. I mean, you'd have to almost have contracts in place, laying everything right. out and have, you know, witnesses there while everything's signed. Because you'd I mean, have you to have doctors that said, like, I've spoke like psychologists that maybe said that. And I think, again, this gets into a kind of shifty area, too. Like, do I want the state saying that you have to go get this special psychological report to say you can commit suicide? I don't think that's good either. I'm just I'm just kind of spitballing here. But I mean, you want to make sure that I guess the danger is you could have someone that basically maybe I not me, but uh, <laughs> if someone could go convince their friend to kill themselves and quote unquote help them do it and you might be able to construe that as a murder maybe see if that friend wasn't in a good mental place and and, you know where is that line you know at what point you know you need some kind of evidence that 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 the the actual person truly did want to kill themselves for some i guess it doesn't have to be for a medical reason but you know i just think i see some elements of grayness here that that could really cause some issues yeah and this is another issue where you know, both sides look at it as, as black and white. You have people on the right saying, you know, we're pro-life. You can't be killing yourself. You can't be helping people kill themselves. When, yeah, there's definitely huge areas of – there's huge gray areas. I mean, if you have someone terminally ill, you know, they have, uh, I don't know, some type of type of cancer. If they have uh, ALS, something like that, where they're just going to wither away and die and they want to – and they want to kill themselves before they lose, you know, they lose their, their function, their, their ability to, to function. Why shouldn't someone be allowed to do that? Why shouldn't someone be allowed to go with dignity? I mean, I don't want anyone killing themselves. I mean, so by speaking out against this law, people might, you know, might attack myself or, or Mark and say that we're in favor of people killing themselves, which no, but we're in favor of people controlling their own body, controlling their own lives. And it's important, though, because there are some gray areas that this isn't taken advantage of. And um, I think you just have to bring contract law in. I mean, you could definitely imagine some like psycho serial killer, like the kind you might see on like, you know, on a Netflix show or something like that, who uses laws like this to, you know, befriend people who are close to suicide and actually it doesn't, you know, actually ends up killing all these people who were had depression or something like that. 
and he gets to help them do it and gets off doing it because it's the law. You know, you can you can see a weird kind of apocalyptic scenario like that developing with the, the right kind of psychopath working around the right kind of law or the wrong kind of law. <laughs> the right kind of psychopath. <laughs> yeah. D- OK. <laughs> Don't clip off that That's- quote. <laughs> that's the cold open right there right kind of psychopath all right so i, I think we're in agreement on that uh that john Kasich assisted suicide felony bill so let's move on next one last one for is this a crime this is out of arizona and republican state senator john kavanaugh in the state of arizona has introduced state bill 1009 which would criminalize american flag theft as a class six felony well, that's a low-level felony. It's still a felony, and he has his reasons. He says that people who display the flag for patriotism or even for protest, by stealing their flag, you are stealing their First Amendment expression of rights. So, Mark, is stealing someone's American flag, should it be you know, more than just stealing their toaster? <laughs> stealing a toaster sounds so much worse to me because then you're depriving people of delicious toasted items. And to me, that is much worse than taking their flag. But maybe I just value toasters more than flags. Other people might value flags more than toasters. But really, all we should care about in the event of a theft is the value of the item, really, the monetary value of the item. That's all that should be a factor because that's all that's the only thing that's objective. Everything else is subjective. I might have a a very prized possession that's worth 30 cents and I might be, be very upset if it gets stolen. But because I prize it so much, you cannot you know, arbitrarily say that the person that stole my barely worth, you know, my item, my little penny, maybe that's literally worth a penny, but it's my prized penny that I found on the street and I, I love it so much. But if someone steals it, you can't say they have to have this special felony class put upon them because I happen to prize it so much. And that is essentially what this law is saying. Some specific people happen to prize an American flag emotionally more so far and above the actual value of the flag. And therefore we have to uh, attach a special criminal penalty to anybody that steals it. Now, obviously we're against theft. Taxation is theft. That's what we're all upset about here with government, right? So obviously we're against the idea of theft and theft should be punished, but there's also something called equality under the law. And if we're going to find equality under the law, we have to punish crimes in a somewhat similar manner and to attach a special value to an item just because there's some sort of nationalist or patriotic value that people attach to it is absurd and dare I say tyrannical in and of itself. You know what? I really have nothing to add. I agree with everything you said. I just did the perfect rant. (laughs) Nothing can be added to it. (laughs) And I'm going to tag state Senator John Kavanaugh on Twitter and send this podcast to him. Do it. And uh, hopefully he learns. Maybe I'll he learns off, his lesson. Maybe I will just clip off that little rant and, and directly tweet. I'll put it on YouTube and send it right to his maybe we will. Twitter maybe account. we will. Learn about equality under the law. We'll show him State what the Senator First Amendment's Johnson. all about, won't we? Yeah, we will. Exactly, we will. Fast forward we thirty days, we are will. banned from Twitter. That's all we have for today. Any party words, Mark? Before I do a little outro here. No, man, just that, you know, keep your eyes out for crimes and decide if they are or not. I don't know. It's a fun activity to partake in because, you know, like a lot of this stuff isn't black and white. And I think it's a it's a very useful activity, especially when you see headlines that say things like California decriminalizes child prostitution. Well, sometimes we got to look into these things a little bit further. And I think, you know, trying to break down where the, the this is the activity essentially here. Where's the original crime? Where's that first initiation of force? And a, a lot of laws that, that are get written here they're addressing kind of like a second or third initiation of force where we need to really 
go back and see where a crime originates. And uh, to me, a lot of these laws, they're actually, the laws are the crimes themselves in a lot of these cases that we look at. So I think it's uh, an activity we should all do, especially when reading these headlines out there, seeing all these laws pass. Every state, every year passes a, a bunch of silly laws. And I think it's a very helpful exercise to, to break this thing down. And hopefully we get to a point someday where everybody looks at laws that, this way. Everybody looks at, at a news story and thinks to themselves, hmm, is this a crime? And should anyone do time? Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you're going through your, your Facebook feed, just this is what I try to do. Don't share something or like something until you read it for yourself, because it can be I mean, who knows what somebody writes in an article? It could be something you don't agree with. You might agree with the headline, but what's written in the article could be something uh, totally different. So just like Mark said, keep your eyes out for stuff like this. And oftentimes, yes, indeed, the actual law is the crime. And uh, if you find stuff like this, you find interesting stories like this along your travels on the interwebs, you can uh, email them to me, felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com. Maybe we'll talk about them on the show. You can also post them in our Lions of Liberty forum. We have a Facebook forum. Go to facebook.com. Just punch up in the search bar at the top, Lions of Liberty forum. As long as you're a, a real person, we'll get you approved and you can post your uh, felony stories in the Lions of Liberty Forum. We'll talk about them. There's a, a great group there, a very respectful group. We just passed a thousand members, and it's it's growing quickly. So jump on board that. And we have not had to and, bring down the the ban hammer, so to speak. There has not been a staple gate in our forum yet. So. Oh, there has not <laughs> been, and uh, and I hope there won't be. Hopefully, I mean, it's really I've been very impressed with our Lions. I'm of Liberty actually amazed. Forum. I don't know how how we've gone this far without really having any issues at all. I can think of. It's yeah, it's been pretty incredible, actually. But I hope it keeps up. Yep. I'm not afraid to go full dictator on that forum if I got to. I have it in me, guys. Don't press me. <laughs> Just start dictating. Just dictate, dictate. Because dictate, I learned that if you, if you go all dictator in your private group, you people start writing articles about you. So it might be a good. It might actually be a good PR move. I don't know. That's a Trump move. Yeah, Stapleton pulled a Trump he move. Did. I don't <laughs> even know if he knew he did, but he got so much free PR. Right. But one last note, if you uh, listen on iTunes, even if you don't listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a, a rating there, a five-star rating. If you like what we're doing, hopefully you do, at iTunes, give us a review. And be sure to subscribe if you are listening on iTunes so you get our Lines of Liberty in your feed every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that's all I have for today. Thank you guys for listening. Really do appreciate it. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.